Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and today we're talking about <laughs> Dragon Bane, I believe. Yes, Dragon Bane. We are talking about Dragon Bane. I know we've mentioned in the past, but me and Jolene actually got to play Dragon Bane the last few weeks, a couple weeks actually, and uh, we just want to get a little, little bit of more personal thoughts on what we thought of Dragon Bane and how things went. It was pretty fun. I like Free League. They're a pretty good publishing company. And when they said they were going to come out with this book, I took a look at their Kickstarter. And I said, well, I already have a lot of fantasy role-playing games. And I didn't Kickstart it. My brother, on the other hand, saw it. And so did my friend Mike. And said, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's Kickstart that one. So when I went to go visit him, I think it was July or something like that. July, June. The summer. Anyway. Uh, he had bought me a complete box, a, a, a box set. It comes in a box set for the Kickstarter. And I said, oh, thanks. He goes, you, I know you didn't Kickstart it. I go, yeah, I know. And I brought it home, and I really didn't look at it too much. I, I thought it was interesting. Mirth and Mayhem is the, the subtitle of the, of the game. It's based on an old Swedish game. Don't butcher the name, please. What was the name of it? Huh? I don't know. It's like... I don't know. The lady that said it butchered it, so I'm not going to attempt it. I butchered it, too? It's like, I don't remember. I don't remember. It was Swedish, like, like dragon, ock, demoner, right? Demone. Dragons and demons. Dragons and demons. Yeah, and that's, and it, it basically grew up, it grew up. It was published right after D&D, and D&D didn't quite make it to Sweden in Sweden's native language. So they came up with another... Uh, Kind of like D and D, but also influenced by some other other RPGs at the time. And uh, years later, obviously, and uh, last year they they kickstarted it and produced this uh, box set. As far as box sets go, it's pretty neat. Free League does really well in creating box sets. They not only put the rules, but they usually put little maps in there. This this one has counters. Uh, Little standees that cardboard standees and little stands that you can use to uh, for your figures and dice and dice of course they have a complete set of dice and it, the rules are broke up into two booklets one is the actual rule book and the other one's like a campaign book so there's only one rule book and one that is a campaign book right right and the and the rule book is only 112 pages yes which is amazing right. Yeah, it's going the way games are going these days versus you think so? old and well. I guess some games give you the big old book, right? Right. But they try to get everything in there right. and the kitchen sink. So, but this one is nice. I like the I like the rules. I like Free League. I like the way I like Alien. They publish Alien and um, Tales from the Loop. What else do they publish? Coriolis is one. We you never tried that one. Yeah, they but you and Blade uh, Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner. I, I I've run a couple Coriolis games. At the time, it was uh, online, and I think it was probably during the pandemic. We didn't really they didn't really catch on with the players. So uh, they also came out. The, the, one of the first games I think was uh, Mutant Year Zero, back in the old days. So their games are like they have interesting things that make it pretty easy usually it's just an attribute and a skill together on like some of the games that's yeah, most of the games are like their dice pool this one is even easier because it's well it's all 
when when you put it into the onto the character sheet, it's just one number, right? I assume it's yeah, just one number. And then you just have to roll under it. Right. So unlike every other, well, not every other, but most of their other games, it's not the dice pool system that they came up with. It's not the 6D dice pool system. Add, add the number of six dice dice for your attribute plus your skill, and that's the number of dice you need to roll. You need to roll a six to succeed usually in most their games. And there's other rules to it, but that's basically it. This one, it kind of harkens back to D&D because they're rolling the D20. But instead of a roll high, it's a roll low. And you use all the polyhedral dice because uh, for my character that I'm playing, the dagger does a D8 of damage. Yes, right. So I don't know if they use the D4. Maybe they do. I think, well, it's included in the... I'm pretty sure they do. Yes, included in the dice set. So obviously use a D4 for some sort of damage or something. Of course, you might just want to give people the D4 because it's a cool die. (laughs) It's a triangle, right? Caltrop, maybe? Yeah. Pyramid? Yeah. So... The reason I didn't kickstart it was, like I told, like I said before, I have Pathfinder, I have D and have low fantasy gaming, and I'm like, do I need another fantasy game? What? So I decided I, I didn't need this game, and then my brother gave it to me, and then we played it. So I said, wow, this this game's a little bit different than all the other games that we played. Even low fantasy gaming, which is an OSR type, it meshes uh, OSR like AD and D with fifth edition in a little bit right but the there's still a big rule book it still has a lot of content there's a lot of stuff to remember and this one what i liked was it's just really simple you also have swords and sorcery right i do not have swords and sorcery i'm pretty sure you do because it's a big old book i'm not sure which one you're talking about the one oh you're talking about the super swordsman's of hyperborea no oh <laughs> well you can look it up on my bookshelves, I do have a lot of games. I might be one. I, I, I maybe got the the title wrong, but it's I, the one that um, the people in England publish. Oh yeah, Silver and Sorcery. That's it. Oh yeah, and then this Silver and Sorcery, right? Sorry if I got the name wrong. Yes. So obviously, there's a lot of RPGs, fantasy RPGs in my collection, and I'm thinking. I'm not sure I want another one, especially a box set. I'm not really into box sets. I know people love them. I personally don't because it takes up more space. It takes up a lot of space. And sometimes, you know, all that stuff gets all destroyed. The box gets destroyed if you don't treat it right. And it gets smashed and stuff like that. But, but, but he's another hero there. He says that, but none of his boxes are smashed. I don't have a lot of box sets. But neither hero there, I was thinking, why not just play D&D, right? And why, why does this game, what makes it different? What makes it different? Is that difference enough to make me play that instead of fifth edition well one your brother bought it so then it's gonna hit the table right yes it took a while because uh he gave it to me what last uh, it was been six months six months right in the summer of 23 and we've had it we played together a few games and finally i told my brother because we rotate gms in our friday night game and i go it's kind of your turn previously he said he wasn't ready I understand, you know, he wasn't ready. And then and then this time he said yes, because I was like, oh, wow. And what game are you going to run? And he goes, Dragon Bane. I go, oh, cool. So that's where we got to playing the game. And right off the bat, why not just play D&D? Which is a very good question, right? Fifth edition, super popular. Everybody wants to play it. Who's either has heard of role-playing or has heard of D&D 
or is coming back to playing D&D. And D&D, this 5th edition version of D&D, is actually probably one of the best and easiest ones to get back into the game or to start playing. I'm going to say for our group, or your group, or your groups that I play with, um, <clears throat> I think they like to try out different systems, right? Oh, yeah, they want to see what, compare and contrast. And every system... It's amazing to watch these guys read the books and go, oh, this is how it's different from this. And this is the way that you're going to do it. And I'm like going, <laughs> I read it and I didn't get any of that. But that's OK, because I, I'm, I'm looking at I'm reading it going, wow, this is kind of cool. Now, let's see how is that going to work? And they're like analyzing it. And this is how it's going to go. Well, OK, so my brother's a computer programmer. Right. Most of our friends that play games are in the tech business. They're either computer programmers or whatever right and like bay was talking about the second edition of the one ring and he was telling me about the different differences in edition as far as you know what i don't remember i'm sorry bay but but he was telling me the differences and i'm like now i've read the rules to the second edition and i had no clue as to what he was talking about <laughs> now i knew i understood what I understood what he was saying, right, about the differences. I don't remember seeing that difference when I was reading the book. I think that's because you read so many different books. I know he does too, but... I just don't read critically enough sometimes, I think. Yeah, you got to parse it out, yes. as my history <laughs> professor would say. <laughs> so, indeed, you're, you are totally correct as far as our friends looking at the rules and like to compare and contrast to other systems and see how it plays so that's why we get a lot of games a lot of different games right right we like because they want to see if they're and and i it go it harkens back to the fact that i believe all gamers are looking for the perfect game to play <laughs> and as far as i'm concerned whatever game you're playing if you really like it then that's probably the perfect game for you but there's always a chance that these that the next game it's going to be better, and I think that's what, what the see, playing different games comes down to, right? Yeah, I really you hit the head on the nail on that one. I really agree with what you're saying, especially with me. If you look at all my bookshelves and all the games that I have, and I have quite a few. I don't... I'm going to count them one day so I can <laughs> tell you all exactly how many he has. Yeah, I have a ton. Uh, but not as much as some people, right? So I consider myself... Not the hoarder, but uh, the collector of sorts, uh, an eclectic collection. But you're right. For me, as a player and a GM, I want to run a game that's simple to run, that flows easily with my personality, I guess, maybe. And there's a lot of games that I really like. I really like Tales from the Loop, right? I really like uh, Coriolis, and I really like, I really like Fifth Edition, but mm. I like Pathfinder too at the same time. I like Shadowrun 5th edition, but I, I harken back to the 1st edition, and I had a ton of fun with that, even as everybody says it was a terrible broken system. And I just, to me, it I guess it, what happens is how much fun did I have when I was playing or running it. Dark Conspiracy, that is an interesting, weird system. Dark Conspiracy is cool. But I, it's, yeah. yeah, but I had a ton of fun running that. So that, I think, is what drives a lot of people who buy different role-playing games and not stick with just one system. Like but then again, Paranoia is cool, too. Yes. I mean, all of the there's all kinds of different games. That right. And a lot each of it, game has different aspects of what you're doing that's going to be fun, right? Right. And I think a lot of it has to do with the setting of the game, right? Yeah. So that's why I really like 
Tales from the Loop, and it is probably one of the easiest games for me to run and for me to play. Because he's never left the 80s, so there you go. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> the 80s generation was the best music ever? No, I don't believe that. But but you might be right. It might be some nostalgic vibe. I like that you can use any place in the world to put your loop in. And if, in fact, they suggested, but I just really like the simplicity of it, the wholesome of it, of it, of the of the setting. You know, you're just kids out solving mysteries, like maybe some uh, TV show, like I don't know, like Leave It to Beaver. Even though that ages me quite a bit, and that's way before my time, by the way, way <laughs> before my time. And it's not in the '80s either, so there you go. <laughs> yes, but but what's what's the '80s show? I don't can't think uh, of it. it. Doesn't matter. Why I play this one. Well, I just said it was easier to play, easier to introduce to players. Mainly because the the character creation, well, one, they give you pre-gens, but every game does that. But the character creation is a lot simpler. And I like the fact that it has a literal list of all the things you need to do. Right. So that makes it, I I really, I I thought that was so cool. I was looking at it going, oh my goodness, you can just check it off as you go. And like some of you are like, did I do everything? Did I get all the stuff in? Right. Yes. And that that was a comment too on somebody's uh, YouTube uh, video where they said that it was like a step-by-step process. And once you got past the pages, you didn't have to flip back to right. check the rules or something like that. And I like that. It was it was set out. The rules were set out very... I think methodically and yeah. in and, and, and order that you w- would want to yeah. build your character. Because there's some games that <clears throat> they tell you things like, this is what you need to do, but then you have to go and look it up on page 482 because <laughs> that's where the actual what it does is, right? Right. And I think that that is a, a big selling point for me on this one was that the rule book is 112 pages. Yes. The main rule book. And that's all you need to make a character and run the adventures. Of course, the campaign book is about the campaign in, that's in the box setting. But all you need is a 112-page book. And you have a complete role-playing game. Now, I dug out my 5th edition player's handbook, and that book is 311 pages, and it's small, smaller print than the Dragon Bone. But then that player's handbook, there's a, a lot more information. I mean, lot, a lot more information. A lot more stuff. Yeah. So what I, what I liked about the character creation was you didn't have to flip back to any back and forth as to, oh, you need to make a character flip to page 203 um, do this and then come back to this page no it just you just flipping the page in order you're marking down or you could actually make it totally random by rolling the die as to what race you want to be and all that stuff which they call kin and they have a very interesting one the mallard <laughs> well the wolfman too is and the wolfman yeah so they have they have the, i think they have a halfling they have dwarves they have elves humans and then they have the two very interesting ones the, the mallard which is you're is like, what it says is Daffy Duck. Yeah, like, like Daffy, Daffy Duck. Duck, but a, a more but, serious yeah, Daffy Duck. Yeah, <laughs> Which I thought was funny. And then the, the wolf, wolfkin. Wolfkin is like a, kind of like a wolf a wolf person. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Right. So what I like about that is that there's, like I said, it's so simple that you don't have to be turning back and forth. And that's a big plus in my book. Some things about, D, you know, comparing it to D&D, right, and which is the biggest RPG, fantasy RPG out there, and everybody thinks that that is a great introduction to role-playing. 
I would say that this one probably is a little bit better for new players coming in because if you have that starter set, you don't even have to let, make them role play. I mean, role play, make their characters. You could just have the characters already made. There's pre-gens in the box with the standee and everything. I wouldn't use the term better than. I would use the term maybe easier. That's what I said. Easier. Okay, not better. It's easier. It just plays easier than 5th than edition. There's less explaining. And rule and rules looking up, yeah. right? So here are my five things that I think I like this game more than, let's say, 5th edition D&D. Initiative. Now, me and Jolene have talked about card initiatives, and pretty much we don't like them, right? We, we kind of have that idea. That was in uh, Through the Breach, which is a uh, an RPG based on the world of Malifaux. It uses the cards for... For everything. For, for everything. Combat. But the initiative is also in there. Yes. Uh, Savage Worlds uses cards for initiative. We play, Also, we played that Lindworm game that oh. uses cards. Well, I, I'm not... <laughs> uh, Sleepaway Camp, I don't know if I would uh, include that in a uh, role-playing game. Uh, so That wasn't Saul's favorite game. It, yeah, it wasn't. Uh... Oh, I thought it was interesting, so... Interesting is a word. But that's one one of the only ones that I've ever played with cards. Yes. And uh, and what I liked about, and all those other ones are good. I mean, they, they're fine. I mean, I, I just think, well, it's just randomizing. Just roll a, just roll a, a die. I don't see, I don't see the inherent need to use cards. Although I like the cards because, I like the cards in here because you can see them, right? Yeah. It's different than, you know, when you roll your initiative, and the, the GM either writes it down on a piece of paper or puts it... There's all kinds of different things people do for initiative. They have like a little tree and they put the people's names and yeah. they go, different things like that. Yeah. So the, so there's a visual, visual... There's a visual component to it. So the card is very visual because it's sitting there. Yeah. I think even... Uh, I've seen some pretty interesting things as far as initiative. They have GM screens and some people just like attach them to the top of the GM screen by... Paper clips, paper clips, or, or something or, like that, and some like really nice ones. They have like little grooves. You can put cards on the top, but you know, very specialized. But this one has just cards, right? And uh, and uh, what I like about the card, it tells you what you can do on your on your turn, right? Which I think is very helpful. And and two, you can swap your initiative. And that is pretty cool. And I thought, wow, that really changes the dynamic of a. Any kind of fight scene because all of a sudden the person who's not engaged in the who's not turn it is you have to think about them in the battle sense in the tactical sense of well I'm in a position where I really don't can affect the fight at, at the beginning and it doesn't really matter so switching your initiative to somebody else and give them a lower initiative. Account. So they go, go go before you, right? It does make a huge difference in 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 the in the game in the in the fight scene, and I thought that was pretty neat. At first, I was like, eh, "Cars, okay," but then they're like, "Oh, we could swap them." Oh, and that really just changed the dynamic of the game, which actually was good because when we played, <laughs> I couldn't do anything. I got, I mean, I could, but I didn't want to die. You got, you I was got. already hurt. So I just kept giving my card away to the next person because, and we went down. Because she kept drawing a lower card. Yeah. Yes. I thought that was pretty amazing. And and it really sold me on the whole idea of a card initiative when it's used that way. Because sometimes you're stuck where you can't, what you're going to do 
is not necessarily going to be helpful to right away. Right. Whereas you could give it to the the fighter who's in front of you who could do it, who could go and actually do damage to start with. And initiative changes every turn. So you and I like parts. that. That's pretty yes. cool. Uh, the second thing I thought was pretty neat was armor. Now, D&D and armor, since its inception, has always been... A- D&D armor stacks, right? So you, you have your leather armor, right? gives you something like a plus one but if you add a helmet then it gives you more right uh yeah i think you're right it does yes but this one your armor just has one it just gives you something i don't know if you can have more armor or not maybe you could have a helmet too i think a helmet does gives you different kinds of uh pluses but all all armor does in this game it doesn't make you harder to hit like in D &D, which forever people have discussed that it makes no sense but what it does do is it takes away damage right if you get hit for eight points leather armor takes just regular leather old armor takes one point away if you're wearing studded leather it takes two points away if you're wearing plate mail it takes like six or eight points away and that makes sense to me right if you have a bulletproof vest and somebody shoots you it's gonna hurt you're gonna take some damage maybe depending how tough yes, you are yes it's gonna but hurt. but Vest, vest is gonna is gonna take a lot of that damage for you. Shadowrun has that kind of thing where your armor subtracts the amount of, right. of damage that's done, yes. right? Yes. So that I, I understood it when when it said it, but unfortunately, I was playing a thief and I had only leather, <laughs> leather armor, and so I only had one point of armor to take away any damage, which. Uh, is very bad in this game because you don't have very many hit points. Right, and you don't gain hit points no, either. You no. Know, whatever hit points you have at the beginning of the game, pretty much you're stuck with those points. So like a, a lot of hit points is like 15 to 16 hit points. I didn't have that. I had 12. And that's it. And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> and I got hit, and I think I took 11 damage. Maybe I had, I had 13. Yeah, I took 11 or 12 damage, so I was down to like one hit point. Yeah, so along along with that is that you have uh, you can parry, yes, right. Which I didn't write down as to one of the things I liked, but uh, it's a it allows you to try to block a damage. Yes, there's one thing about that though that you should point out is that if you do parry, that is your action. It's right. not like in D and D where it's a reaction, the automatic. Yeah, this one is if you decide to if someone hits you and you parry, that's your action for that round. Right. Yes, and so, and so, also it. What is the thing that it does to your um, your weapon if you try to parry? You, you, you could uh, it could be damaged. Right, right. So you roll. Uh, I think every every weapon and shield has, has a durability. Durability, and you roll a twenty die, a twenty side die. No, if the damage is you roll the damage dies. You roll the damage dies, and if the damage is more than the. Um, than the the durability of the weapon, the weapon is out of commission until it's repaired. Right. So you won't be able to use it again. Right. And you can parry with a weapon, or you can parry with a shield. And then if you lose your shield, then you're you lose that shield. Yes. It becomes it needs to be repaired. It needs to be repaired. Yes. So armor, pretty interesting. Uh, along with armor is the parry mechanic, which which I thought was it makes a lot of tactical sense sense to me. And sometimes, you know, you can't keep parrying, right? Right. Because then you won't ever get to attack. So there's a little bit of uh, tactics involved as to when you want to act first and when you want to let that guy try to hit you. And then if he misses, then you don't have to parry. So that's that gives you an avenue to attack. So it's very interesting. I like it. 
armor. Very cool. Very simple. Not much to explain. Makes sense. No levels. I really like games now with no levels. It does. It never made sense to me. You reach a thousand experience points when I was a original D and D, and ring, I know stuff, right? Uh, of course, my brother used the the optional training rules, so you had to go somewhere and get trained because you now had enough experience that they would train you. That kind of made sense. Because that made more sense to him. But a lot of stuff, a lot of people, a lot of people, not a lot of people use that training option. It fell out at AD&D, after AD&D, or maybe second edition included it. I don't know. I didn't play second edition. But third edition training was out, fourth edition and fifth edition. Training never made its ugly, reared its ugly head again. Now, you've always said this, but I've always thought of experience points as as you're going through the game, your first level, by the time you reach a certain amount of experience points, you've gained that experience to go to the second level to learn those things. Okay. That's the way I always thought of it. It makes sense, yes. I understand what you're saying, but it's still ring, and you get more hit points. You get these special abilities depending on what kind of class you are. Yeah, I don't like levels. Uh, It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I know that they're inherent in a lot of systems. I think a lot of people are moving away from that kind of... Well, even you know. even Shadowrun doesn't have levels. You just improve yourself. And that's what this game does, right? Yeah. You, you improve know. certain aspects of your character, especially if you did really well at a skill or really bad at a skill. And in this case, a really good role is a one, which they call a dragon, because dragons are good, I guess. And a, and, a boon, and a boon. That's a boon. And a, a boon. And a bane is a, what they call a, dra- a demon... Okay is a 20 which is really hard for people who play D D because you <laughs> want to roll a 20 but in this game you don't you want to roll as low as you can as low as you can which isn't always easy and i think when you don't have to worry about levels because i know D and i never really played this way but a lot of people don't like levels in D D because there's certain levels they're like nothing really happens right you get a Maybe get some skill points. You get to add a one-to-one attri- a, a, a one attribute or two. No. That happens every other level. Every other level, uh, yeah. Right. So one level, you don't. nothing happens is what they're saying. Right? You get hit points and maybe some skill points, and that's it. Where the other level, the next level, that's when you get, oh, I can talk to animals now, or I get a special... A spell. Ability. I get it. Right, 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 right. Correct. So, th- so a lot of people call it the wasted level. Or the useless level. I've never heard that, but, yeah, but I believe you. I've never, I've never thought of it that way because I just, I didn't think of it that way. But yeah, it eliminates all that crap. Next, the push mechanic, just like in every other free league game that that uses the the year zero engine, they allow you to push. That means if you miss, they allow you to to try again. But you take a condition when you push. There's uh, five conditions. You know, you check it, and then you suffer, is it five? Six. I'm sorry, six conditions. And you check it off automatically, and then you get to re-roll the, whatever you're trying to do. You and, just, it, and you don't just randomly take it. It has to do with if you're angry or dazed, you check that one. Like, dazed is the agility score. So whenever you do your agility, you're going to have a bane, right? Right. Well, you role play, right? You you say, well, how you how 
how is missing this role or whatever going to affect you? Because like I was trying to charm some lady or or try to get information from her, and I and I I said I was exhausted because uh, we had been traveling all day, and I should have I didn't think about it. I should have checked off the charisma, but my brother goes, oh yeah, and so I'm gonna play that I'm exhausted that I made like a what is it a social faux pas because I was so tired, and that's what happened. So I thought that was pretty interesting that you role play the condition that occurred. Right. I think it's pretty neat. And you get to re-roll, of course. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> I rolled three 19s in a row and ended up with one hit point. So there you go. And a condition. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. And just to show you that this game is, it is possible to, you were pretty close to dying. So I, and it is possible to kill you off pretty easily. So, uh, yeah, the push mechanic is pretty neat. Five, the willpower mechanic, right? So how do you... So there, in this game, there's these heroic... What do they call them? Abilities? Abilities. They have heroic abilities, which are kind of like feats, right? But unlike D&D, that you get them and you use them and anytime you want, anytime just the condition is right, in this case, you have to spend willpower points. And that allows you to do this like special cool thing. It also powers spells, so spells are used by using your willpower. Yes. And your willpower goes down, right? You have, it's kind of like hit you points. You have 15 willpower, I think. I think everybody has 15. I'm not sure. I did anyway. I think it depends on your... On the character? On the character, right? And how much... I'm not sure what it depends on, but I'm sure it depends on your intelligence and wisdom or whatever it is. And, and you get a... A kin one, like uh, I, I'm a halfling, so you, I get a special hard to catch. Is, is it comes with the with the kin or right. who you are, and then you also get a a heroic ability. And mine was backstabbing, so the first one is hard to catch, and the second one was backstabbing. And yes. you use the the will points, and mine costs three will points to use. Right, because in this game, when you're making your character, every time you make a decision, it gives you something, right? So you choose your kin, which is your race, if you want to use that term, and it gives you a, a special ability from available to that kin, to that character type, I mean, to that race. And then when you when you, you kind of choose like a job or a profession, you get another you, you get another one, or you can choose one when you when you uh, gain experience. Which is pretty cool, and those things are powered by willpower. And unlike uh, hit points, willpower are a little bit easier to regain. Like hit points, like in D and D, you can take a short rest, which is uh, I think the 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 rests are a little bit different. They are uh, I forget what the first. So so there's a, a round rest, which just gives you it's for a single combat, and you can gain a. Willpower back, not hit points. One one willpower, um, or just some a D six only a D six yeah. willpower, no hit points. Right. Um, and then there's the the stretch Retch. rest, which is like a fifteen minute rest, right. which you can also gain. You heal a D six of hit points or two D six of hit points if if someone else is is tending to you. So that's mm. <clears throat> and then there's the shift. And there's four shifts in the day. It's a six-hour shift, right? right? So it kind of changes the the long and short rest right. into different kinds of And you days. can only do one shift rest in a per day. Per day, yeah. Yeah. 
and it and it's the same thing you if you have someone to help heal you you can get it back get hit points back and, or willpower or right. well actually it says during the shift rest you recover all your lost hit points and willpower and heal all conditions so that's that helps you with your willpower to be able to do stuff and it takes away those conditions that you got from pushing and not being right. able to not not making it right so it's really cool i like i said i really like that i thought it was uh and it's just a simple idea to add the willpower and i like it i really like the way that it it, it works uh, it it so you're not have all these heroic feats and just doing them all the time you want to make sure that you use them to when it's appropriate right when you think it's going to be really necessary uh, when i saw that mike was using it because he played a magic user right. it it made me think of um of of being a sorceress in D D. right okay. you only have so many spell slots that you can use a day unlike unlike uh, wizards they have to memorize certain spells right this one you have spell slots where you for as a sorcerer you can use any spell you want but you only have so many slots per day uh, so that's kind of makes sense with the willpower you use three willpower or i think mike could even use a different amount to make the spell bigger right to make but then impact. he loses those willpower so he won't be able to until he has a rest right, right. A, a, a so you have to decide how much willpower to invest in a spell some like she said some spells allow you to to add willpower to get more effect or you could just you know use less willpower just to at least that's what I think. And, and and I think it's pretty neat. I think there's a lot more decision making in that kind of sense for for a fighter who is or any character who has all these heroic traits or they call it heroic abilities abilities as to when or when to use them or when not to use them. And I think that really changes the dynamic of like feats in third edition where you could always use a feat no matter how many times you in the fight you want to use it. I thought it was pretty neat. I think it, it literally limits it. So, and because this game, the fights are really deadly because you don't have a lot of hit points. You really want to make those deci good decisions as to when to use those heroic feats and how to use willpower. Because once your willpower runs out, you can't use any more heroic feats. And in, in, the, in the, for the for the sorcerer, they can't throw any more spells. Yeah. So, I think it's very interesting how that really makes the game a little bit more tactical right and and you have to think about when to use these spells or heroic abilities so so it goes back to more like osr style well, in that well, one the it goes it's going back to tactics right well and there are tables i saw some a couple of tables well yeah uh i think it was kind of funny when uh when we defeated the goblins that we were attacking us my brother was drawing cards for the treasure and he and he didn't like the first card he said no that's too much and then he drew another card which made michael come on i drew the ire of come of some of the players playing but i i think it was pretty neat i, I like i said uh as far as another fantasy role-playing game this one is pretty good the, do we really need another one well this one does fit a very interesting uh niche in role-playing for example they didn't really flesh out the whole world. They gave you ideas as to why you're in this one valley and, and exploring this lost valley that nobody has really been there for a long time. Or the outside world is finally coming in and exploring it again. 
I thought it was pretty neat. It allows you to build your world almost any way you want for people who want to homebrew. Or I'm sure if you wait a little while, Free League will come out with world books or something along those lines. Probably, I don't know. I'm not uh, I'm not privy to that kind of information. But I really like that idea that it's kind of open-ended, but it has also a campaign book that you could just start off and start playing right away. And I think it really does work well for people new to role-playing games. If you think... Uh, D&D is just a little bit too hard or a little bit too much rules. Dragon Bane is a good fit for brand new players who just want to get in and, and not have to be led by the nose as to what to do or how to do it. Because it tells you right on the on the page what you're doing. And it's real simple. So I really liked it. I, I didn't kickstart it. I probably, if if I had like seen what it was about or played it or whatever, I might have kickstarted it. But I didn't have to. My brother gave me a, a box, uh, a set of rules. So I really like it. It works really well. So if you don't have a fantasy role-playing game in your library or you want to take a break from D&D, I think this one is really cool. There you go. Have fun. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day.